Hey everybody, welcome to the Relax and Enjoy Health podcast. Today's podcast is the second podcast and it's on the five essentials of health. So these are my five essentials for health because I just wanted to think, what would I say if someone called me today and said, hey, I need help. What do I need to do to get healthy? Because I've been procrastinating for a few weeks, you know, because I spoke to my wife a couple of months ago and I said, I'd like to get back into coaching. I feel like I've got a lot to offer people and I needed an outlet. So anyone who knows me knows that I can be opinionated and I can be a bit outspoken when it comes to health and fitness. But I really needed an avenue where I could help people on a large scale. So I created this podcast, the REH podcast, a forum where I could voice my thoughts on health, well-being and balance. I did the first podcast, an interview with Dax Moy. He's one of the UK's premier trainers and lifestyle coaches. It went pretty well. I I enjoyed it. A lot of people got some things out of it. So uh, then I was like, what next? What do I do now? And all my glorious ideas just went down the plug hole like water. So this sort of led me to today's podcast on the things we need to do to be healthy. So I've been listening to a podcast by Dr. Tommy John, and he has the essential eight, which he believes you know, is, you know, everything that we need to do to get absolutely healthy. And he also believes that only 2% of genetics run our lives. The other 98% of is of our, you know, of our life is our responsibility, no matter what the conditions are. He came up with his eight essentials, and I definitely agree with five of them. So I'm just going to list them what I believe is the absolute most important. And this is where the hypothetical question came in. How do I get healthy? So... My five essentials of health. My five essentials is sunlight, movement, nutrition and hydration, breathing and sleep. So, and step one, it's an absolute must. Just the number one is sunlight. Number two is movement. Number three is nutrition and higher hydration. I included both because most people can't separate the two all the drinks and the beverages, smoothies, juices, coffees. So they're all basically they're all their nutrition as well. You know, number four, breathing, breathing in and out. I mean, it sounds inter- easy, but it's more complex than we can possibly imagine. Number five, sleep. And I've always got this thing where I say sleep is good for you. Have some every day. Try it. You'll like it. So what I want to do is I just want to run through all these in detail. So, sunlight, get outside. All right, so you gotta let the sun touch your skin. So for so long now, I think that the sun's been the victim of a really bad rap. So skin cancer, sun damage, wrinkles, premature aging, the list goes on and on and on. It's like it's the enemy. And I grew up in the years of Cecil the Seagull. Slip, slop, slap, slip on a shirt, slop on sunscreen and slap on a hat. Seriously, I can't even write that down without hearing that little jingle in my head. So, when my kids were in kindergarten, they could, they weren't allowed outside unless they were wearing a hat and they had sunscreen on. You know, but then that thought of, but what if sunlight isn't the demon that we've all been taught to believe? So, what if we, you know, haven't, we've been lied to all these years. Good typo, Andrew, well done. And uh, we haven't actually been told the whole truth. So we've got sunshine and mental health. Sunlight and darkness trigger the release of hormones in our brains. The exposure to sunlight increases the brain's release of serotonin. Serotonin is the chemical that carries messages between nerve cells in the brain and all through the body. It plays a key role in mood, keeping you calm, focused, sleep, digestion, nausea, wound healing, bone health, blood clotting, and even sexual desire. And who wouldn't want more of that one? Whereas low levels of serotonin, they're associated with a higher risk of a major depression with seasonal pattern, actually called seasonal affective disorder, or wait for it, SADS. The SADS is actually a clinical diagnosis. A lack of sunlight can actually give you a case of the SADS. So the light-induced effects of serotonin are triggered by sunlight that goes in through the eyes. It cues special areas of the retina that triggers the release of serotonin. That's why the main treatments of depression is light therapy. Anxiety-related disorders and panic attacks have also been linked to the changing seasons and reduced sunlight. So go outside. At night time, the darker lighting triggers the brain to make another hormone called melatonin. 
melatonin is responsible for your circadian rhythms, your sleep-wake cycle. So when you're exposed to light at night times, this production can actually be blocked. So on the light therapy, I've actually have a friend of mine who uh, has gone through light therapy recently. And the, the fact they shine light into your eyes and it releases trauma for your body to deal with is absolutely amazing. So much of our life is affected by light. And, you know, there's, there's proven um, scientific journals out there that will actually, night shift workers are actually more likely to get uh, overweight. They're more likely to be depressed. They're more likely to get cancers. They're more likely to die at an early age. Just for the simple fact that their light, the light that they receive on a daily base, basis is out of whack. And that's just absolutely fascinating. So the next one is sunshine and strong bones. So exposure to the ultra -V, ultraviolet B radiation in the sun's rays causes a person's skin to create vitamin D. Low vitamin D levels have been linked to bone-wasting diseases such as osteoporosis and osteomasia. No, it's not linked to your milk consumption. So that's a whole other story. And you need to research the correlation between milk consumption or milk-consuming countries and osteoporosis. The, the actual the statistics are going to shock you. Anyhow, when the sun gets exposed to sunlight, when your skin gets exposed to sunlight, it makes vitamin D from the cholesterol in your skin cells. Yes, another demonized substance of the body, cholesterol, which actually has an important job to do. The UVB rays penetrate the skin cells and they provide the energy for vitamin D synthesis to occur. Vitamin D instructs the cells in your guts to absorb calcium and phosphorus, two minerals that are absolutely essential for healthy bones. See, so there's that bone thing again. So in actual fact, sunlight will actually help us give, give us healthy bones later on in life. So these are things that we have to you know, have a look at and be aware of. Low vitamin D is linked to osteoporosis. It's linked to cancer, depression, muscle weakness, and even death. Sunlight is literally linked to a reduced chance of dying from breast, colon, prostate, and lung cancers. Sunlight actually releases fat into the bloodstream to be burnt as fuel. So when the sun's blue light wavelengths, the light that we can see in our light, with our eyes, penetrates our skin, reaches the fat cells just underneath the skin, lipid droplets reduce in size and are released out of the cell. So lipids are fats, and so the fat actually gets you know, reduced in size and released out of the cell, and that goes into our bloodstream. We actually burn that for fuel. So in other words, our cells will not store as much fat, which makes a lot more sense when we put on a few extra pounds over winter. So what can we do about that? All right, so if you're not getting enough sunlight, you can supplement with cod liver oil. One tablespoon will actually give you three times the required daily amount. So there are things we can do to uh, you know, increase our vitamin D levels. Sunshine and treatment. So sun exposure can also help treat skin conditions such as psoriasis, psoriasis, sorry, eczema, jaundice, and acne. It kind of makes sense when Nana used to kick us out of the house every morning, you know, go outside and play, and she wouldn't let us back in except to come and have lunch. So we wouldn't be allowed inside until about four o'clock in the afternoon. So research studies have revealed links between sunlight as a treatment of other conditions, such as rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, IBS, inflammatory bowel disease, and thyroiditis. For all these amazing things to occur, sunlight has to penetrate the skin. So wearing clothes or sunscreen is not going to result in vitamin D production. So you actually have to get the sunlight on your skin. So even the WHO recommends 5 to 15 minutes of sunlight two to three times per week on your hands and face. So we've got this free resource provided to us from the universe, which has all these benefits from regulating sleep, healing skin conditions, you know, improving our moods, and it literally stops us from being sad sacks. So we really, really need to get outside and utilize it. But remember, make sure you use moderation. You know, you've got to use your head. You've got to know your limits. So I know for a fact that I can go outside for 15 to 30 minutes and not get burnt. So it's taken me quite a long time to get up to that point. But uh, I used to go out there for five minutes, five minutes on one side, five minutes on the other side, and I'd come back inside. And I used to be burnt because I wasn't used to it. So I would just you know, work up to it a little bit at a time. 
So if you don't use this, you know, if you don't use your brain and use it in balance, side effects of excess sunlight is sunburn, duh. Eye damage, premature aging skin. You know, we've all seen those photos on the internet of the horrifically tanned people who look like Lella. Skin changes such as freckles or moles, heat stroke, and even can skin cancer. So all these things can come from excessive sunlight. So we just have to remember we need to use it in moderation. So let's break that down. Sunlight is different forms of radiation, UVA and UVB. UVA has a longer wavelength and it's associated with skin aging, whereas UVB has a shorter wavelength and it's associated with skin burning. So on a dumbed down level, UVA can go deeper into the skin that can cause skin cancer, whereas UVB gives us the good effect of sunlight. 95% of all sunlight is UVA, 5% is UVB. So how's this for a kick? Glass filters out UVB, so that's why old truck drivers and motorists, they're always getting skin cancers removed from their hands and arms. You know, they're, they're just under pure UVA rays all the time that they're out in the sunlight. Not only that, our fluorescent lighting that we use in our house, you know, the lighting we use everywhere, you know, in, inside a house, in offices, at work, you know, that actually gives off UVA radiation. So just being under fluorolight exposure can, you know, increase your exposure to car carcinogenic radiation by 10 to 30% every year, increasing your chance of skin cancer and death by over 4%. So that's something else that we need to um, bear in mind. So I was out at work last week and uh, I do FIFO, and uh, there was a woman and she had a massive bandage all the way up through her hairline. And I just said, oh, you've been in the wars. And she said she had skin cancers removed. So up here, your hat is, it's under your hat. It's under your hairline. You are protected from the sunlight. So how are you getting this part of your head exposed to sunlight to the point that you get skin cancer. So we need to be aware that, you know, computer monitors give off UV light. We need to be aware that lighting inside gives off UV light. So these are all things that we need to, you know, bear in mind. But just remember sunlight and moderation. And what if it's not the enemy that we've come to believe that it is? So, I mean, the thing about sunlight, so you just have to realize it can help you lose weight. It can help make you feel better. It can help increase your adaptability to outside temperatures and everything like that. But here's some other stuff, and I haven't put this in here, is that if you actually get outside before 10 a.m. in the morning, your eyes will register with your brain how much light is available, how much light will be available, and it actually provides your skin with melatonin and everything and stuff you need later on in the day as the sun gets stronger your eyes will actually tell your skin how much sun protection to put through into your into your body whereas if you look at it we stay inside all the time we don't go outside when we do go outside we put sun we put sunglasses on so we're we're basically fooling our eyes into thinking that there's not that much sunlight so we're actually circumventing our body's natural defense mechanisms to protect us from sunlight so these are things you know that we need to actually have a look at. Do your own research, don't believe me. So one of the best things you can do is go out in the morning for 15 minutes before 10 a.m. So that way you're actually gonna set your eyes up for the day. You're gonna you know, fix the melatonin, the serotonin in your brain, you're actually gonna wake up your, your circadian rhythm will become more in sync. So you'll be awake in the daytime. You're not gonna be asleep in the daytime. Then at nighttime, as you start turning off lights in the house, <coughs> excuse me, turn off lights in the house, you're actually telling that circadian rhythm that, okay, we're getting down into bedtime. So as it gets dark, that's bedtime. As it gets dark, we stop doing things that stimulate us so intensely. So it's probably best not watching Chainsaw Massacre and Saw and all those, you know, major emotional intense movies or, you know, even action films at nine, ten o'clock at night that we're supposed to be heading off to sleep. So, you know, so we let the circadian rhythms, you know, de determine our wake and sleep cycles, which will actually give us the best, best possible form of health that we can. So this one, next one is movement and we move every day just a little bit. We just have to move. 
The human body is made to move. It's designed to move. It works best when it's active. We're not designed to spend our time sitting on chairs and laying on sofas. You know, we know, we know for a fact, you sit for long periods of times, your legs cramp up, your legs get sore. How many men get off the toilet after, you know, for three or four hours that they seem to be sitting there and go, oh, the blood circulation's been cut off from my legs. Um, people watching television the entire day. They're on sofas that aren't designed for, you know, proper sitting. We we slouch in the sofa. We lounge in the sofa. It's called a lounge room. So we're not stand, sitting up. We've got our, our body in weird positions. We're cutting off blood circulation. We're cutting off um, nerves to different areas of our body just for the simple fact that we actually stay in the one spot. And uh, the human body is designed to be in motion from our cells to our microbiome to blood, hormones, you name it, our body is permanently moving. So we've got benefits of physical activity. So we've got some benefits. We've got lower blood pressure. We've got a better regulation of blood sugar. We've got lower resting heart rate, a better control of body fat, improved immune function, increased muscular strength and endurance, improved cardiorespiratory function. We've got increased flexibility. We've got better joint health. We've got improved mental, mental functioning. We've got higher quality of sleep. We've got better physical activity, which will boost our metabolism, decrease our depression, and increase self-esteem. So all these different things that actually come from being, you know, physical, moving, and just getting ourselves moving every single day, just just doing stuff. Um, so what I've seen uh, scientific articles that say anything less than 3,000 steps a day, 5,000 steps a day, you're classed as a secretary. So you actually sit at a desk for your eight hours, answer the phone, type on, on your computer. 3,000 steps a day is literally choosing depression and anxiety. It's actually a scientific fact that if we do less than 3,000 steps a day, our brain is actually taking steps into depression and anxiety because we're not moving. We're not moving stuff through our body. We are not moving our lymphatic system. We're not using our muscular system and things just start shutting down, which means we can't get essential hormones to the places that they need to go. We're not digesting properly. We're not you know, where we are not working at our optimum state just by sitting in one spot or just by laying in one spot. So, I mean, that just shows that there is truly power in motion. So we've got some consequences of inactivity. Physical inactivity leads to deterioration. It, you will lose bone density. You will get the stiffening of joints. You will have the weakening of your muscles. You will have the weakening of your heart and lungs. You will have a degeneration of your cellular energy system. As soon as you sit down, electrical activity in the legs will begin to shut off. Calorie burning is reduced in lipase and enzyme in the legs that assists with fat breakdown will drop dramatically. Those hormones that are set can't move around the body. After 24 hours of sitting, insulin effectiveness drops 24% and your risk of diabetes will increase. Sitting will increase your risk of death by 40%. Physical inactivity is listed as the fourth leading cause of death globally. So sitting and inactivity is literally killing people. So we just have to realize the body is made to move. You know, and so we just have to understand that our body is made to move. We need to move. Better health comes with movement. So your body is an adaptive machine. So look in the mirror if you can. Some people literally cannot. Your body is perfectly adapted to the current way that you are living your life. So your body is the result of your constant process of creation through the pattern of movement that relates to your world. So you've created this. So how you look in the mirror, how you look to yourself, how you look in your clothes, you created this. If you're not happy with it, then you need to change. Something needs to change. Your body is the perfect creation of what you've done to it or the decisions you've made or the choices you've made over the last three to six months. Because our body, every single cell in our body is renewed. Every, every six months or so, every six to nine months, every single part of our body is actually renewed. 
So your pattern of movement, your fueling of your body, you're the one who sets the scene. You're the one that creates. You're the one that is in charge. Oh, I just love that kid just looking in the mirror, just kissing himself. That's awesome. All right. Improvise, adapt, overcome. Everyone I work with, I tell them this. You know, it's we as human beings have successfully colonized virtually every single corner of this planet, from Arctic tundras to equatorial rainforests, from humid coasts to interior deserts, from lowlands to the extremes of altitude, from and we've gone from total carnivores to others bordering on pure vegetarianism and every single possible combination in between. Your body will adapt. You can change, you can adapt, and you can grow. Because we're born to move, but we don't have to move in particular ways. We have a capacity to sense and respond to the movements that promote our ongoing movement. So we can choose. So here's the point, here's the thing. Do what you love. Just do what you love. The only, I can tell you now as, as 20 years as a personal trainer, the only thing that you're going to keep, the only thing that's going to be successful, the only thing that is going to take you through life and give you the best possible, you know, exercise pro program, nutrition program, all these things, the only one that is going to work for you is the one that you love to do and the one that you're happy to do all the time. So you need to find what you love doing. And you need to do it often. So we don't have to exercise. We just need to move. Some people go for walks. You know, some people go for walks along the beach. So my, my wife will not come to the gym with me at all. And yet she's happy to walk the dogs along the beach for three or four hours. No problems. You know, but for her, that's not exercise. That's talking to me. That's hanging out with the dogs. That's being in the fresh air. That's seeing the ocean, hearing the ocean, looking at the shells on the beach, feeling the sand between your toes. There's so many other things. So she doesn't even see that as exercise. That's not exercise to her. That's a, a whole experience. So, you know, we, the biggest thing I do on a daily basis is I do my Qigong. I have something called the, uh, you know, the body vitality movement method. And it's fantastic. It covers my entire body from head to toe. And I do that every single day without fail. So I have a healthy spine. I have healthy organs. I have a healthy hormonal system. And I have a really, really good immune system. And all these things just from something that I can do from 15 minutes to 30 minutes every single day. And uh, for me, that's a non-negotiable. I feel better. It's like a, a standing, moving meditation. And for me, it covers meditation. It covers movement. It gets my body moving. It gets my hormones moving. It gets my intestinal tract moving. And, and I can digest better. So that's what I choose to do. Other people go for bike rides. Other people go for runs. Other people. So you need to find what you love to do. Some people, the aspect of that exercise is the social aspect. So they'll go join football clubs, they'll go join darts clubs, they'll go join, you know, different jobs, clubs just to be around people. So what is it that you love? Do you, do you love setting yourself against yourself and going to the gym and trying to achieve your personal best? Do you love going down there, you know, down uh, to the swimming centre and, and just pushing out laps and just being all by yourself in your head because no one can literally talk to you. It's your own time. Do you like going to the beach and going for a walk? Do you like swimming in the waves? Do you like surfing the waves? Do you, what, anything. You can literally choose and do anything you want because moving helps us strengthen our muscles. It will improve our stability. So especially as we get older, we need as much stability as we can get. You know, it'll improve our balance and it's going to improve our coordination. It will strengthen our bones. It will give us physical strength, good circulation, improve our learning skills and our concentration. It will increase mental well-being as well as all the reflex activity, reactivity within our hands and, you know, our legs and the way we move and everything in our environment. So we need to realize that we need to move every single day because life is movement. You know, you may have a, you may have to dodge out of a, the way of a car in traffic. You may have to suddenly react when you trip over a bollard or something in the in the car park. Uh, I remember my mother walking around the car and, and tripped over one of those rubber speed humps. So you have to re react to your environment at any time. So you just need to realize that you need to be able to. And just being able to move is going to help you in every single area of your life.
So movement affects everything. Movement will affect everything from circulation to digestion to metabolism to immunity. Everything. Movement will improve your mood. It will decrease stress. It will increase positive emotions. Movement will trigger new brain cells, protect existing brain cells, and it's going to lead to improved brain function. <coughs> Excuse me, coffee time. All right. So movement will improve coordination. It's going to improve your posture. It's going to improve your flexibility. And you should move every single 30 minutes to reduce your risk of death. I mean, if nothing else, I think that's a pretty good reason. Because one thing uh, in research I found that uh, your metabolism will actually start to slow down. Once you've been seated for 30 minutes, your metabolism is actually going to start down. And just like, you know, people, if you've ever had a fireplace, if you've ever had a, a fire where you, you bank the fire for nighttime, you actually start closing off air to the fire. You actually start closing off the the ventilation and stuff so that it can't breathe. So it will slowly smolder. The fire will get smaller and smaller and smaller, but it'll just keep just burning, ticking along in the background. It's not that roaring flame that we're used to. It's not that you know that fast burn so that way the the fire will actually you know cool down a little bit and it'll still be there in the morning so they can fire it back up again for the cold of the morning so our, our metabolism tends to do that if we're not doing anything if we're just sitting down your body's like well i don't have to do anything so i'm just going to start shutting everything down okay so you need to move at least 30 minutes a day so weight bearing exercise two or more times each week so what does that what does that mean? So you can go for a walk, you know, put headphones on, you know, use it as an experience. Go for a walk, walk around your neighborhood, walk around your town, walk around your city, find new places, see new places, see new people. It's 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 easy. It's 30 minutes and weight bearing exercise two or more times each week. So the best thing about the weight bearing exercise, it increases our bone mass, it increases our muscle size, it actually gives us a physically pleasing uh, a body, but it means that we have the strength to get through our day. We have the strength to get through life. Um, your friend asks you to help you move house and you can help them. You're not gonna be, you know, you're not gonna be subjected and have to wait for other people to help you. You can actually, you become more independent. You, it stimulates, yeah, all, all these sorts of positive things in your life. So if you move well, you will also think, feel, and live well. The more you move, the better your body will function. The movement is how we react and interact with the world. And if you wanna know how important movement is, just go and hang out at a shopping center. Watch people the way they move. Watch larger people struggling to move. You watch people with you know any kind of impairment in their life the way they move and just be grateful that you can be grateful that you can move be, be grateful that you know we have this ability that we can actually move and utilize all these positive effects that you know come just from moving the body so movement will help maintain existing brain structures so the cerebellum the structure at the base of the brain once thought that was only used for balance posture and coordination and motor skills also plays a role in thinking and emotion. So you look at our cerebellum, like we're saying, at the base of the brainstem. So we're joining directly onto the spine there, you know, and so everything goes, leads straight down into the body. And so you look at it, you, you have good movement in this area. We've got good blood flow. We've got good nutrient flow. We can actually enable better brain function. So movement will help maintain our existing brain structures. Movement will help slow age-related mental decline. It will help us recover if our brain is injured or inflamed. You know, it will lower oxidative stress, uh, sorry, lower oxidative stress. You know, so we've got all those free radicals attacking us, but if we can get more nutrients in there, we get more blood flow in there, we're gonna have better healing in all these areas. So it will increase the level of brain-derived neurotropic factor, which is involved in learning and memory. So I'm involved in many business groups and they talk a lot about taking neurotropics. So these things which will actually stimulate your brain and actually make you concentrate better, get more work done, be able to do more and be more. And so 
just moving and doing exercise will increase those levels of natural neurotropic factor in your brain naturally so that you're going to you're going to have a better attention span you're going to be able to produce more you're going to be able to uh, give more you're going to be able to think better think harder think faster so all these things come just being able to move your body and just being able to move your body means you've got better blood flow you've got better energy flow you can you know you've got more nutrients you've got more oxygen going to every part of your body and you know what it's like when you you know you see the guys that are going to do something really really big and intense and they start breathing <sighs> they really really get into it and they really really start breathing they're lifting those oxygen levels in their body so they can actually achieve so much more all right so today pay special attention to how you move how can i move better and whatever does that mean for my body i mean everybody is different some people have more movement some people have less movement some people have sore necks some people have you know sore backs some people you know all these different things in their life but how can you move better how can you make your body stronger how can you do better now than you did yesterday so if you look at it you know as people we need to move you look at a child before a child take makes its first step it makes 40,000 movements to get to that point of doing that first step so we as adults we just go oh I can't do it I can't lift my arm there I've got a locked shoulder yep sorry no can't do it and a child made 40,000 movements to be able to make that first step so we need to move so the more we move if you can't lift your hand right above your head can you lift it here yeah i can all right we'll start lifting it start doing it over and over and over just one thing at a time so think of the ways that you can move your body because over time you'll be able to do more over time you'll be able to do more again so you will get stronger you will get better you will have better movement you will have better flexibility you will every single thing will change all right, so think about other ways to move. So how else can I move? I can't move this way. How else can I move? What else can I do? So help your body do its job with good nutrition. All right, so that's gonna lead us into the next one. Nutrition. So nutrition I've put down as what we eat and drink. All right, so nutrition is a critical part of health and development. Eating well will help us reduce the risk of physical health problems like heart disease and diabetes. It helps with sleeping patterns, energy levels, and general health. So you look at all the things, I mean, for goodness sake, Google it. How many people die from cardiovascular disease? And how many people die from obesity? How many people die every single year from stuff that is preventable? If we can just, number one, give people better education regarding nutrition number two having better restraint when it comes to nutrition because i can tell you now it's taken me years and years and years to get the restraint in nutrition because if it i've been a chef for 30 years and if it tastes good i'm gonna eat it i tell you now i want that i want that flavor in my mouth i want that explosion in my brain of how amazing that tastes i you know and this thing i've been pretty much borderline obese my entire life I, you know, when I started out as a teenager, pretty sure I had bulimia, I would eat to excess, I would eat until I was overly full, and then I'd just throw it all up. And just because my brain wanted that flavors in my mouth and how amazing everything was, and I just couldn't stop eating. So, you know, we've all been there, girlfriend, we've all got something. But uh, you look at it, you know, just good nutrition will help with your sleep patterns. Good nutrition will help with your energy levels. Good nutrition will help with your general health. All right, we've got stuff on mood. So, mood can be affected by all types of food as well as how much you eat. Some foods will lift your mood, energy levels, and your concentration. Others are going to have the opposite effect. So, eating lots of fresh fruits, vegetables, nuts, whole grains will reduce your risk of some mental health conditions such as depression. So while eating foods that are high in sugar and saturated fat may increase your risk. So if you look at it that, that way, so like I said, I've been a chef for 30 years. I know pretty much as much of nutrition as most people will ever find out. I actually have certificates in nutrition. I've been a personal trainer for nearly 20 years now, and I can tell you everything, 
everything you need to know because you look at the way the nutrition will affect you mentally you look at it the way it will affect you physically and i can pretty much almost guarantee as someone who's been involved in the gym and weightlifting and everything since i was 15 years old i have pretty much tried every single diet there is i've been complete meat diet i have had complete vegetarian diet i have gone high carb low carb i've gone high protein low protein i have done everything i have seen my family has been inflicted with so many um, uh, carbohydrate rages <laughs> that you could possibly imagine just the the mood swings and this is just from the food we eat. Everyone who I know that struggles with uh, mental health of some description or not, their nutrition is not amazing. It's definitely high in sugar, it's definitely high in fat, it's definitely high in carbohydrates. So just, we need to look at what we're eating, how we're eating it, and why we're eating it. Associate why we're eating certain foods because I can tell you now there are some foods I'm addicted to and if it's in the house, I'm gonna eat it. Whether I'm hungry or not, I'm going to eat it. So I need to not have those things. I mean, let's just say, how good is a triple chop cornetto? You know, I'm just gonna leave that there. Although, through nutrition, it is possible to prevent up to 80% of premature heart disease and stroke. So the food people eat can reduce their blood pressure. It can help to keep their heart healthy. You know, and eating foods that contain antioxidants can reduce a person's risk of developing cancer by protecting cells from damage. So certain foods have antioxidants. We have things in our bodies called free radicals. Free radicals are caused by high oxygenation. Free radicals are caused by um, environment pollution and everything that we absorb into our bodies. And these things will actually attack our bodies, attack our cells, attack our nerves, attack our hormonal system. So we can actually eat food that contains antioxidants. So these things will go through, attack these things called free radicals and actually eliminate them and remove them from our body. So we have a wonderful healing organism in our body that will actually take care of us if we give it the right ingredients it needs. You know, so uh, I said very early on in the piece that only 2% of our body is the result of genetics. So if you look at genetics as the loaded gun, where it's our lifestyle, it's our eating habits, it's our movement habits, it's our health and well-being habits that will actually pull that trigger. So we're the ones that make the the choice whether our life will be, you know, dictated to by the genetics that have been handed down to us. So pretty much we have a massive, massive responsibility to ourselves to try and protect ourselves to the best of our ability, just by the certain foods that we eat. So a diet rich in vegetables, fruits and fibre will lower the risk of colorectal cancer and liver cancer. I don't care. If you've got the big C, it sucks. My brother's had the big C. I've known people with the big C. I've known people that died with the big C. I know people that have had brushes with it. It will affect your life and the life of everyone around you and not in a good way. So if you can possibly stop any kind of trigger in your body you know um, what was that all right so <laughs> we just had a bird hit the house and hit a window so diets high in a like glycemic load may trigger increased i don't know what that is but it's depression and fatigue it's behind the picture i can't see it so diets high in a, in a glycemic load. So we're talking sugar, we're talking carbohydrates, we're talking fat, things where it's going to trigger really, really fast, um, fast insulin response. It's going to trigger fast energy response, all these things. And that's actually going to leave you to depression and fatigue. So you can look at the little graph over on the left there, you know, so we have our cravings. I talked about that just then. I have them. We have habits, situational factors, you know, whether people emotionally eat, where I've done that as well. And I definitely, definitely will eat my emotions. So you have a good quality diet and you look at it. So that will actually give you better physical health along your multiple biological pathways. So you, you look at this over here. It's 
You have psychological and social factors. So that tees in with your mental health. So that will a good quality diet will actually improve your hormonal, inflammatory and neural pathways. So there's so many different things that can come just from uh, having a better nutrition. So types of fuel available, a high glycemic no, a load, which will include refined carbs, such as those found in soft drinks, cakes, white bread and biscuits. I can tell you every single one of those things is basically my heroin because I love pizza. Every single thing in that, there is nothing on that page that I wouldn't eat. Okay. So you look at veggies, whole fruit and grains will have a lower glycemic load. So all the stuff, you know, in the top picture, you can see there, uh, high glycemic load. We've got chips, we've got burgers, we've got deep fried crumbed stuff, we've got pizza, we've got lots and lots of cheese, we've got white breads, we have got buns, we have refined sausages and fats, and all these things are really, really high calories. But on top of that, they're really, really fast energy release calories. And that's what actually happens is we eat those calories and it's almost like a circuit breaker in our body. The energy just goes absolutely monstrous. Our body goes, yeah, no, we can't handle this load. And our circuit breaker, which is our insulin, will kick in and it will, we only need this much energy right now, which means everything on top of that will be taken for fat gain. So we need to realize that a high glycemic load upon our digestive system, so when we eat these high energy foods, our body is going to trigger the fat, fat gain, we're going to trigger storage, we're going to, and we're going to pull that aside for later because we don't need all that energy right now. So if you go down, down the page, we can see here veggies, whole fruit and grains will have a lower glycemic load. So the way vegetables burn, the way um, it doesn't have proteins and everything there, but you look at proteins, they actually burn a good, slow, consistent burn over a decent period of time. So what you actually won't, will not trigger, so if you, if you start eating, and you will actually not trigger that insulin response. So we will, you know, we need this much energy and we will burn this food over this amount of time. So we won't trigger that insulin response and we can actually utilize this food for fuel. We can actually utilize the nutrients. We can utilize all the, the good things, the hormones, the bacteria within them, and we can actually utilize for our health, our well-being. And uh, what you'll actually find is if, and here's a good trick for you, when you're eating dinner, eat your protein first, eat your vegetables second, and the last thing you touch on your plate is your carbs. Because what actually happens is your carbs will mix with the meat and the vegetables, and you won't actually trigger that insulin response as badly. So you will actually not go into fat burning. Whereas, you know, imagine like a big meat and vegetable uh, plate, and you've got mashed potato, and you go, yeah, I love mash, hell yeah, oh. And immediately your body's gonna detect that high energy load, and it's gonna kick in that uh, insulin response. And so that's everything you eat from that point is pretty much gonna go to fat storage. So try and eat your carbohydrates last. That's just one little trick for you. All right, so we have the diet and our gut. So our colon is full of naturally occurring bacteria, which play important roles in metabolism and digestion. Certain bacteria will also produce vitamins K and B, which will benefit your colon. These strains also fight harmful bacteria and viruses. Diets low in fiber and high in sugar and fat will alter the gut microbiome, so the bacteria in your stomach, and that will increase inflammation in the area. So you look at people with, uh, you know, there's diets that are high in sugar, high in fat, high in carbohydrates and everything like that. And I guarantee you, they'll have a high incidence of stomach ulcers. They have a high incidence of acid reflux. They will have a high incidence of, of, you know, gastric burn and everything like that. However, a diet rich in vegetables, fruits, legumes, and whole grains will provide a combination of prebiotics and probiotics that will help good bacteria thrive in the colon. So prebiotics are the, the stuff that we eat will actually pre-feed the bacteria. It's actually the food that the bacteria need to, to rely on to thrive in our, in our body. Probiotics are you know, the bacteria that pr provide, and we will actually giving more probiotic into that environment.
So fibre is an easily accessible prebiotic and it's abundant in legumes, grains, fruits and vegetables. And this also promotes regular bowel movements, you know, which will actually help you prevent bowel cancer and diverticulitis. So if you have a look, there is, we're, on the chart here, we've got 10 to 100 trillion bacteria inside every single person. So I'm going to get a bit gross here, but what people don't realise is one third of your poop is actually dead bacteria from your system. So you've actually got, you know, stuff that is indigestible. You have one third bacteria and you've actually got one third of, you know, just the decomposed matter that has been, you know, excreted from our body. So we actually need bacteria in our body to help digest our food. We have bacteria that help move hormones around our body. We have bacteria. We are more bacteria than we actually are human beings. And there is more bacteria in one human being than there are stars in the sky. So you haven't been outside in a starry night. There is a lot. So these different types of bacteria live in different environmental systems. So we have a different bacteria which, which can absorb fiber and high sugar and high carbohydrates and, and soda and everything like that. And that bacteria will actually reward you by sending hormones to your brain saying, this is awesome, you're fantastic, well done, go team. And uh, when you do, if you eat that way, you actually get used to eating that way and you want to eat that way and you want to eat more that way. You don't want to have lean meats. You don't want to have uh, fruits and vegetables and everything like that because that bacteria can't live in that environment. You know, you, you'll find that when you go, okay, I'm not feeling good, so I'm going to do myself a fast, I'm going to do myself a, a cleanse, a liver cleanse, a juice cleanse, and you feel sick. You feel like you have the flu. You have flu-like symptoms. You have all these things happening in your body. So what's actually happening is all that bacteria is dying off in your body, and it's actually sending those toxins through your body. So you are literally trying to digest decomposing bacteria. So we need to have a have a look at our diet. We need to make sure we have a good diet across a good range of items so that we we can eat fruits and vegetables and we can and enjoy them and we can have lean meats and we can enjoy them and we can have the, the healthy things and we can have things that help produce positive bacteria in our, in our bodies. And so there's different things that will actually give you good bacteria. Things you will find, things like kefir, which is a similar to a yogurt. Uh, yogurts will actually have good cultures and they will come within our bodies. We also have things where all fermented foods. So we, we have the kimchi from the, the um, I've forgotten, North and South Korea, the Korean style cooking. And so they do a lot of kimchi, which is fermented cabbages and everything like that. The Europeans use sauerkraut as their fermented cabbage. So that actually give you, they are good prebiotics to actually start eating. Uh, so you just have to find what works for you and uh, how you're going to get this good bacteria. So you can take probiotics. Probiotics are really, really good. You can take them on a daily basis. That will actually help boost the amount of good bacteria in your stomach, which will help give you better nutrition. It will actually help give you better digestion. You will feel better. You will actually probably go to the toilet a bit better. Uh, so I, I work in fly in, fly out. I work with out of mining camps where the men are essentially big, rugged miners who believe it has to be meat and potatoes. And there's different things. And I hear from the housekeepers every single day what a nightmare that is for them. So fibre is a really, really good thing to help keep your digestive system moving. It's a good thing to help move that other stuff through. And uh, these things are really, really good for you. So diet and brain health. So diet and brain health. A healthy diet may maintain cognition and brain health. So there are certain foods that protect against cognitive decline and dementia. Maintaining a moderate weight can help reduce the risk of chronic health issues. Being overweight will increase heart disease and increase type 2 diabetes, poor bone density and some cancers. Healthy diet will help manage blood glucose levels. It's going to reduce blood pressure and cholesterol levels. It can also prevent diabetes. Good nutrition will give you strong teeth and bones, minimizing the risk of osteoporosis. 
Good nutrition can help you get adequate sleep and reduce sleep apnea, which is caused by obesity and alcohol consumption. So our diet will affect our brain health. Our diet will affect our sleep. Our diet will affect our body. Our diet will affect pretty much every single thing about us. So a good diet is going to save you from pretty much all those different things. You look at the, we've got, I've got on the PowerPoint here, I've got complications of obesity, pulmonary diseases, abnormal function, sleep apnea, hyperventilation, liver disease, steatosis, steatohepatitis, cirrhosis, gallbladder disease, osteoarthritis, cataracts, stroke, cancer, breast cancer, colon cancer, kidney cancer, prostate cancer, uterus, I'm like, esophagus cancer, cervix cancer, pancreas cancer, heart disease, stroke, diabetes, pancreatitis, gout, and death. I mean, an apple a day keeps the doctor away, and we need to start doing something. So diet is energy. So every single act performed by your body, no matter how small and mundane, requires energy. An adequate supply of food that has an appropriate portion of proper energy, vitamins and minerals by ensuring proper energy, vitamin and mineral intake by means of the foods you eat. You provide your body with the necessary fuel needed to do all the tasks required to maintain life. So these include the production and maintenance of body tissues, electrical conduction of nerve activity, the mechanical work of muscular effort and heat production to maintain your body temperature. So all these processes in the body are made possible by the nutrition that we ingest every single day. So food and immunity. A diet deficient in vital nutrients will soon lead to disease. You know, good nutrition will help your body fight disease and infection. Vitamins will boost your immunity. All right, so where are we? I have ducked. Oh, we have gone to breathing. Fantastic. All right, so breathing. So in hindsight, maybe breathing should have been number one, but yeah, you know what I mean. So the way you breathe can impact your entire body. It helps to regulate important functions such as heart rate and blood pressure. It can also reinforce proper body mechanics that put less strength and stress on your body as you move. That is, when you lift something heavy, you will naturally take a deep breath and you hold it, increasing the intra-abdominal pressure and it's going to increase your spine stability and focus your energy. So focused breathing will increase the supply of oxygen to the brain and stimulate the nervous system, causing a state of calm. And doing this frequently, as in every day, this will help reduce stress and anxiety. Breathing can change in response to changes in emotions such as sadness, happiness, anxiety, or fear. Breathing will bring balance. So breathing is important to, to regulate the balance in our bodies, but it will literally coexist with our emotional state. Breathing is influenced by the emotions in our body, but also affect the emotions of the body. It'll go both ways. We can direct our emotions. By taking control of your breath helps you to interrupt and redirect the flow of your emotions. You know, every single one of us has been told, oi, just stop. Count to 10, breathe in and out before we go again. So literally, breathing can actually help us halt different emotional states that we receive, and we can actually control the emotional states that we have. You know, some of us are still working on it. I'm definitely still working on it. And, uh, but breathing will change every single thing about your life. So breathing and energy. Breathing and energy. Breathing uses mechanical and chemical processes to bring oxygen to every single cell of the body. So every cell, that's 37.2 trillion cells. That's pretty amazing. So every cell. Then it will get rid of the carbon dioxide because our body needs oxygen to obtain the energy to fuel our body. And carbon dioxide is the waste product of that process. So carbohydrate and oxygen get broken down into energy, carbon dioxide, and water. So we use the energy, we breathe out carbon dioxide, and we excrete the water. So it's a pretty incredible system. So if you have a look at uh, we eat food, we break that food down into its various products. You know, and that is basically from our metabolism. So we actually eat food, the body will create 
energy out of that food. A byproduct of that process is carbon dioxide and water. So the cool thing is we weird out. The cool thing is we breathe it out. So it's pretty incredible. So you look at this. So we've got the types of fuel available for this. So deep breathing will increase the supply of oxygen in the body and that extra oxygen will help you burn extra fat. So we look at fat is stored energy. So the remainder is exhaled as carbon dioxide and excreted out in urine. Breathing deeply also helps to improve blood circulation and allows the body to exhale carbon dioxide, the byproduct of energy creation. So when you lose weight, fat is broken down into energy, the bulk of which you use as energy during exercise or throughout your day, which makes our lungs the number one organ used in weight loss. So for every 10 kilograms of fat you lose, 8.6 is actually exhaled as carbon dioxide. <coughs> Excuse me. So 8.6 kilos. So every 10 kilograms of fat you lose, 8.6 kilograms is breathed out as carbon dioxide. And only 1.6 kilograms is actually excreted as water. So you look at that. We literally breathe out fat. We actually burn fat and breathe breathe the majority of it out. So that's why we need so much oxygen, is so that we can actually utilize the processes of our body. So breathing and stress. What if you don't have the best breathing in the world? So shallow breathing can turn into a panic attack. You can cause your dry mouth, it can cause fatigue, it will aggravate respiratory problems, and it's a precursor for cardiovascular issues. Now stress causes shallow breathing. And our shallow breathing causes stress. So shallow breathing uses our shoulders, our necks and our chest to expand our lungs. This can result in neck pain, headache, increased risk of injury. Our shoulders slump forward and create changes in our posture, lowering our state and sinking us inwards, further inwards towards stress and anxiety. So deep breathing from the diaphragm will actually lower blood pressure, reduce heart rate, relax muscles, decrease stress, increase energy levels. It helps intense sensations, experiences, and emotions to feel less threatening. So I've actually, I've become pretty good at breathing over the years. I've become pretty good at meditation and I can actually lower my heart rate quite low. I love it when you're in the hospital and they hook you up to a monitor and they check out your heart rate and they go, oh, that's quite low. And you go, I can make it go low if you want. And they're just like, what? And you just start your breathing, you start your meditation, and you can actually watch it drop by about 10 beats per minute. And they don't like that very much. It freaks them out. It's pretty cool. So diet is energy. Every single act performed by your body, no matter how small and mundane, requires energy. Okay. I've already done this one. I don't know. I must have got it in twice. So, all right. So that's, that's breathing. So breathing will actually help control our state. Breathing can actually determine, you know, how well we can run, how well we can walk, how well we can actually get through our day. Breathing will actually determine our emotions. We can actually increase our state. If you have a look at anything to do with Tony Robbins, he'll just say you can change your state in an instance just by your breathing. So you look at, you know, when you feel sad, when you feel depressed, you know, you're down, your shoulders are forward, you're not breathing real well. So if you can stand up straight, get that oxygen into your body and get it deep down into your system, you'll actually start to feel better. You can come out of panic attacks. You can stop anxiety attacks. You can actually get yourself out of depression just by, you know, active, actively choosing to breathe and have extra breathing. All right, so now we're going to move on to sleep. Number five, you know, so sleep. Lack of sleep will increase your risk of developing serious medical conditions, diabetes, obesity, cardiovascular disease, and a shortened lifespan. It affects growth, it affects stress hormones, our immune system, our appetite, breathing, blood pressure, and our ability to heal from infections. Enough sleep? Most adults need about seven or more hours of good quality sleep on a regular schedule each night. And I can hear a lot of you now, yeah, well, I only get, you know, I only get five or six and I function just fine. Yeah, so I used to be like that. Breathing and stress. 
I had high stress jobs. I had responsibilities. I burnt the candle at both ends. I'd get home from work at 11 p.m. and I just had to wind down, which as a chef involved midnight dinners and probably fast paced action movie or a thriller. None of which is really conducive to a good night's rest or even health. It's going to catch up with you. And if you know, you know, your body will make you rest. At some stage, somehow, it, it's going to make you lie down. It's going to make you rest and you won't have a choice. So don't you think it'd be better to rest and recover on your terms rather than your body's terms? Because basically, you know, if you don't make time to rest, your body's going to make the time for you and you're not going to like it. So good quality sleep. It's not just about the amount of hours, it's about the quality. So good quality sleep will help us get sick less often. It's going to help us maintain a healthier weight. It's going to decrease our risk of serious health problems. It's going to reduce stress. It's going to improve our mood. And it's going to allow you to th think more clearly and perform better. You're going to get along better with other people. It's going to help you make good decisions. And it's going to help you to avoid energy. I'm not sure what I was saying there. But it's definitely going to help you avoid a lack of energy. So... On the, I've got a benefits of sleep chart here. Getting a good night's sleep will regulate the function of the amygdala. So the amygdala is down in the base of the brain, which will give you less unnecessary fear, less stress, less anxiety, less aggression. So having good quality sleep is going to give you more emotional stability. Sunlight and sleep. We also have a biological clock. According to the pattern of sunlight where we live, this will help you be awake during the day and sleepy at night. Now, I've been in households who insist on having every single light on in the house. They've got fluoros on, they've got the lamps on, they've got desk lights, they've got, you name it, every single light in the house. So at 10 o'clock at night, it looks like bright daylight. And every single one of them doesn't go to sleep until 11 or 12 o'clock at night. Every single one of them will go to bed and stay reading until 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. You know, they're gamers. They're people who, oh, I'm a night owl. And pretty much because their biological clock is artificially stimulated by the amount of light. Whereas in our household, we just have lamps at nighttime. We have a gentle lamp in the corner of the, the lounge room. If we don't need to do anything in the kitchen, we, we have the stove light on and that's it. You, know, you just need to be able to have enough light to get in there, rinse your cup out and put in the dishwasher. So just different things which actually help us. And we go to bed early and we wake up early. So we quite enjoy that. It's a better time of the day for us. But we find that once the sun goes down, the only lights we have on are the lights we need. So if we need to read, we'll just, have a, we'll just sit over in a chair underneath a lamp. You know, we don't actually have massive lights on in the house. Unless, of course, I've lost something and I have to go and find it. And that sucks. And everyone complains about the whole lights on in the house. So, yeah. So, your sleep pattern is directly, directly affected by the amount of light you have in your life. So, sleep and appetite. Sleep deprivation can alter glucose metabolism by decreasing leptin levels and increasing ghrelin levels. So, this means you're not going to get the I'm full response and you're going to get a lot more I'm hungry signals. So basically your body is just not going to respond appropriately. It's going to try and get the energy it needs to fulfill you know, the requirements of its day. So your hormones and everything is not going to release the way they should, and you're going to eat more, and you're going to get weight gain. So that's what's going to happen when you have limited sleep. And like I said before, you know, I've been basically borderline obese my entire life. I've been a chef, and so... Essentially, I would eat at weird times of the day and I would eat excessively. And at that time, I was only getting four hours sleep, four to six hours sleep a night. And so, and that was on a consistent basis. So it's interesting how those things actually go together. Sleep and recovery. Sleep allows the brain and the body to slow down and engage in the processes of recovery, promoting better physical and mental performance the next day and long term. Sleep regulates the hormone production in the body. The melatonin helps promote sleep. Growth hormone, which supports bone and muscle development as well as metabolism. Cortisol, which is part of the body's stress response system. Leptin and ghrelin, which help control appetite. Hormone levels fluctuate during different sleep stages and the quality of sleep may affect your daytime hormone production. 
So lack of sleep can actually cause too much brain activity, which can make you irritable, worse than any kind of mental health act issues such as anxiety and depression. So basically, if you're suffering from any kind of mental illness, not getting enough sleep is actually going to make you worse. So you need to make sure you have a really, really good sleep cycle. You need to make sure you've got a good sleep program. Really get together and, and have a look at what's keeping you awake. So, I mean, this is the summary, but I just want to finish on sleep. You need to have a look at uh, things like your phones. You need to make sure your phone... Check out the blue light filter. Make sure the blue light filter kicks in when the sun goes down so you actually stop having that blue light directed straight into your eyes, which is actually going to stimulate your brain and make it think that you need to be awake. You need to stop doing uh, things at night time. Stop doing your work when you come home at night time. You know, if, you, if you're, your trigger for being awake and alert is going to work opening up your emails. So if you're going to open up emails at 7, 8 o'clock at night, work-related, you're telling your brain that you need to be awake now. You need to be alert now. You need to be on, on your game. So you need to really have a look at what you're doing late at night when you're supposed to be getting your brain ready for bed. And one, one secret is just do mindless stuff. Do something creative. Do something where you have to use your brain, but you have to use it in a controlled manner. So a good thing for late at night, and one thing that's going to help turn your brain off, put it into a meditative state and get yourself ready for sleep. Your brain wants to work, so give it something controlled to work with. So a good thing is those paint-by-number games on your phone. I know I'm saying, you know, reduce your, your phone usage at night time, but just the simple rhythmic tapping of colouring in by numbers, you have to concentrate, you have to think about, my dogs are going off at someone outside, but uh, you have to concentrate, you have to think, but it's a controlled way of thought and it's rhythmic and it's actually putting you into a meditative state. So perhaps think of something like that. So our summary. These are my five essentials of health. So if you fix these five areas in your life, you will see improvements into, in your life. So things are going to change. Your attitude is going to change, your health will change, and your life will change. So thanks very much, and I'll talk to you later.